Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook Pre-Game Show with Score Morning Show co-host Mully from the Mully and Haw Show, Bears long snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley, and Score Football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago. Bears. Download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It's Packers week. It's the Packers against the Bears tonight, and we are very excited. The pregame, of course, is presented by Bet Rivers, the official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Go ahead, download that Bet Rivers app today. I got it on my phone. And, gentlemen, here we go, Anthony Heron. We've got Patrick Manley, the Iron Man himself. Pat, you remember a little something about this rivalry because it meant everything to Lovey. Lovey talked about when he interviewed for the job, Michael McCaskey told him, you got to figure out a way to beat those Packers. And lo and behold, here we are, lo these many years later, and Matt Eberflus said, well, we're going to prepare for ourselves. We're only worried about us. We don't care about the other teams. And someone said, well, didn't didn't uh, George ask you about beating? Didn't he tell you you got to beat the Packers? And Flusey was never came up. He said it never came up in the interview. So I don't know. Maybe the rivalry's over, but it means a lot to the fans. Here we go. Oh, the rivalry's not over. And that was ingrained into me when Dave Wanstatt was a, was a coach, my rookie year. I remember going to Green Bay, oh, I don't remember what week it was, but early in the season, and we had to watch like a 20, 25-minute film of Green Bay Bears <laughs> highlights, you know, or highlights of us, and it just kind of ingrained what that meant to our franchise, and it did to me, and it started that first year for me, and it went all the way through my 16 years, and Mully, you're right, Lovey harped on it, preached about it, obviously with the big press conference he came out when he first said, we have to beat the Packers as one of his top three goals, but I'm sorry, it's, it's still a rivalry. I mean, you, you live in this city – you hear it all week. You know what I mean? You you hear your neighbors talk about it. You see the Green Bay flag. I had a neighbor up in Libertyville when I lived there that had the Green Bay Packer flag and would always you know, drive by on Packer week and just wave. And I'd be, I wanted to give him the single finger salute. But um, a lot of times we didn't win, and he would just kind of rub it in a little bit. But it's, it's here. I mean, people talk about it. People become frenemies or whatever. You know what I mean? During this week, that uh, it's, this means something. And it should mean something to the guys in the locker room. This, is, this, this rivalry has so much history. It's gone back and forth. The Bears used to kick their butt. Now they're kicking our butt. Let's see if Eberflus and this staff and these guys can change it. And it's okay that he's not harping on it, but I know it's being talked about. You know, it hasn't worked for the, for the other coaches when they talked about beating the Packers all the time. Maybe this is a little bit of a change, but it's still a rivalry, and I guarantee you they still feel it at Hallis Hall. I think that's, a, that's an important observation you kind of mentioned at the end there because within the locker room, 
I would imagine there's probably an at least slightly different energy or, or temperament that Eberflus is addressing this with the team versus kind of how he's going about it publicly. And obviously when you recognize where the Bears franchise is at at the moment, where the Green Bay franchise has been in recent years, then, you know, to, to come out and, and sort of, you know, automatically proclaim that you, you got to go toe-to-toe with the team that nobody in the division can take down here lately, then, you know, that, that may be kind of getting out over your skis a little bit. So it's, it's probably calculated, I, I would imagine, as so many things about Matt Eberflus have been calculated since he first took this job. He's such a detail-oriented guy, and, you know, just like Lovey, Lovey very even keel in his demeanor about most things, but I do think it's, it's very calculated just in how he's addressing the rivalry with the Packers for right now because when it comes down to it, the, the expectations for where the Bears are going to be this particular season, very different than the expectations for where the folks in Lambeau are at for this particular season. I think for, for right now, I just feel like he's kind of playing it cool, playing a little bit cautious with how much, you know, how much bombast might mm-hmm. be there about the rivalry with, with the Packers for this first year on the job. Well, guy, hold on real quick. Well, maybe if they start winning, like all right, they 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 win these two this year, then you say, all right, now it's a real rivalry. Let's Uh go. You know, Uh then you build it on that. But we'll see. Let's hopefully it it turns in that way. That's where I was going. I mean, the fact of the matter is that since Matt Lafleur, the flower, Lafleur, (laughs) since he's been in Green Bay, they have gone thirteen and three. Now they can't win in the playoffs. Separate issue. But they have dominated the regular season every year. And you look at it, they lose their season opener in Minnesota. I mean, what would be sweeter than watching these people in Green Bay begin to panic when they go 0-2 and fall two games behind the Bears? What's on the table tonight? And I know we haven't seen it, and I know it is it is a little bit far-fetched, and maybe the rain's not coming, but if indeed – you could put these guys behind the eight ball, and they got a lot of injuries. They got a lot of problems on the offensive line. Looks like the receiver's going to be back tonight, uh, Alan Lazard. But how good is he? Devontae Adams isn't walking through that door, gentlemen. So the, the opportunity to, to really get this fan base sort of um, panicking, is that fair? Because this is not a relax. This is not a year ago where, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. They were beaten pretty soundly by a division opponent. Go 0-2 in the division and let's have a conversation. Oh, I, let's, 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 I, I hope so. Because you watched that Minnesota tape last week. They have a lot of issues. Yeah. But the other thing is Minnesota looked pretty darn good as well. So they yeah. have a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, it's a balance between those two things. And I just hope the Bears can come out and take advantage of some of these injuries. Hopefully the O-linemen that don't play, Bakhtiari and Jenkins, and then I guess uh, John Ryan looks like he's not going to play as well, the guard. So that could be a, a, a big advantage for the Bears this week. But going up there and making them 0-2 and starting 2-0, and that's huge. That is huge for this team. This is huge for Matt Eberflus and, and building on this momentum. And and I think I'm going to talk myself in tonight, too. I'll give you my prediction oh at the end. But oh we'll boy. talk more about this. And maybe it's just being the old bear that I am is going to come out. But I, I just see some advantages that the bear, or the disadvantages that the Packers have that the Bears can take advantage of and maybe can turn them into 0-2. And that, that's the goal, obviously, regardless of how Matt Eberflus goes about addressing this publicly as it relates specifically to the rivalry. But at the same time, he saw his own team's film as well. You know, he he knows there were a lot of areas of that game against San Francisco where his squad got outplayed and there were there were so many 
the, the intangibles and the discipline that we kind of have, have been talking about more and more lately were a big part of what led to that victory against the 49ers. And that's important. That's key. That keeps you in games. He also saw that, that they got outplayed on the line of scrimmage. He also saw that uh, unless they truly schemed a guy open or Justin Fields created some magic, there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of like separation from the wide receivers and guys just kind of coming open scot-free because they were routing dudes up. So all those same things that were apparent on the film for Matt Eberflus about Green Bay struggles, he saw about his own team also. So that there's warts on each sideline that we're going to see on Sunday Night Football tonight. How much can the Bears grow from game one to game two? How much were the monsoon conditions a factor in, in what may have struggled, what may have ailed the Bears' passing attack and the lack of targets for Darnell Mooney and whether or not you get Cole Komet more involved? Some of those things that, that showed up in, in, in a contest against a really good defense. You know, San Francisco makes a lot of folks struggle hmm. on offense, and we came into this thing thinking the Bears' offense may have some issues also. But the line of scrimmage, especially as banged up and beat up as Green Bay is, that's somewhere where I would imagine the Bears spent a lot of time, and even Foos talked during the week, about early in the week having a bit of a physical week of practice, and that's kind of his approach to things. So they got to come out here, and they got to go mano a mano on the line of scrimmage and see if they can control that aspect of the game, you know, regardless of the, you know, whatever sort of, you know, comments may be there publicly about the rivalry. He's looking at the film for the opponent. He's looking at the film for his squad and saying, you know what, that there's some holes that they have, but we got to get ourselves better to be in a position to exploit them. Yeah. Molly, can I go back to the rivalry real quick? Because I was just Please. thinking about this and we keep hearing that. You know, I have my notes here in front of me, and during all week I'm writing all these just no, no, notes and numbers of Green Bay of how they've kicked the Bears' ass and all these numbers that Aaron Rodgers has done. Yep. I was sick of it. I stopped writing them down. I stopped looking at them. And I've been doing this since I've been doing the pre, pre and post game show with you guys here. That I'm just sick of it. Maybe that's what Eberflus is doing: is saying I don't want to talk about the negative numbers. Let's build some positive numbers. Let's build our own rivalry here. Because I was just I'm I can't stand it every time I prepare for this week <laughs> to see those numbers. You know, Rodgers coming nine and zero after a loss. All the number of touchdowns, the interceptions. I'm sick of it. And I'm wondering if Eberflus is like I don't want to bring that negative into the building. Let's talk about this new, you know, regime that we have, and let's let's build our own numbers and erase those numbers. Not even talk about them. Yeah, you know that's an interesting take because I, I, the numbers are horrific. Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned, you know, Rogers has. This is one of the problems you face. There, it's it's almost twofold. One, Rogers doesn't throw picks, and he rarely throws them against the Bears. I believe the last six games, it's fifteen touchdowns and zero interceptions. And you mentioned that 9-0 and record. After a loss, he has thrown 20 uh, touchdowns and zero interceptions. So that's See, can you stop bringing up those numbers? Now you're getting me depressed. <laughs> well, that's exactly but, what I was talking about. Don't bring that here. Don't bring it in here. That's the problem is you, you've got to win the turnover battle. It's right there in hits. You've got to get the takeaways. And what I loved about the Bears and what, and what might be something that – that we carry over is the idea that there was a peanut punch and there was a great cut by Eddie Jett. They took the ball away. It wasn't just given away. They went and got it. So does that make them more likely to do so? Well, you know, the, the Packers don't throw the ball away. All right. Well, what about those penalties? We saw what, what, how many penalties did, did the Niners commit? 99 yards or something. Well, you know, Green Bay had two penalties for 10 yards, the fewest in the league a week ago in losing. So I'm with you. The statistics, the statistics would make you turn and run. Yeah, no, no doubt. And then this game, too, you're talking about takeaways and turnovers. You know, Rodgers, he's not going to throw the ball to us. 
He's just not going to do it. He hasn't done it. But if you can get pressure, he gave up a strip sack last week. Yep. You know, you can punch out the ball from these running backs, from the receivers after they catch it. So there's ways to get that those turnovers and, and work that hits philosophy in here. But I just don't expect them to, to – I don't expect Rodgers to go out there and throw the ball to the Bears. But there's other ways to do it. And if we can get the pressure, which I, which I think we can, if those guys don't play, then the strip sacks can come. And that's, that's what Robert Quinn can do. That's what Dominic Robinson can do. That's what Muhammad can do. That's what I want to see happen today. And that's, that's another thing that, again, I'm just going to keep harping on this offensive line, that if their three starters don't play, think about it, they have three starters not starting if, if they don't play. That is a huge advantage for this Bears defensive front. And that's the thing. When you look at the first half of that game against San Francisco last week, the Bears run defense. It looked like Roquan Smith wasn't the only one who didn't play in the preseason. Roquan, <laughs> right. first half of that game, <laughs> yep. he looked like a guy who hadn't taken a snap yes. during the preseason. Unfortunately, the entire front seven kind of looked like that. You got into the second half of the game, and especially once you started getting something from the offense, once they started moving the ball, certainly once some points were being put on the board, and then you can start playing downhill at that young quarterback and putting him – in not only physical but but emotional pressure-packed situations, then the Bears' defense really began to roll in the second half of that game. you got to come out and put Green Bay behind the chains early in this game. You can't let Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, even Rodgers himself, maybe the most gifted passer in NFL history, say, we, we got to get the ball to these running backs some more, man. Like I don't know who I'm throwing to out here. I barely met these receivers, but I know the dudes behind me can get it done. we got to run the rock. we got to screen the ball. we got to throw it to them out of the backfield, these multidimensional talents, these all-purpose backs between Jones and Dylan, Rodgers, uh, uh, LaFleur, everyone in Green Bay is recognizing that we have something that always works behind this all-time great QB. Green Bay is going to come out and try to establish that, probably regardless of even if you get Bakhtiari and some of the, the great offensive linemen back up front for them, they need to establish the run. They got to take that heat off of Rodgers, off of the offensive line. That's one of the things that this, you know, this Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, now Luke Getze, that this system that, that they've all sort of come from here, it's always valued the run game, and the Bears struggled mightily against San Francisco's rushing attack. It'll be the same system that they face tonight against Green Bay. And so with that in mind, you got to come out in the second half, Roquan looked like Roquan. The dudes up front were hitting blocks a little bit better. So half number two against San Francisco has to play out throughout the night against Green Bay. I don't know that you completely just, you know, shut the faucet off on this Packers rushing attack. You got to control it well enough where Green Bay's not extending drives, where they're not in third and shorts. Find some third and longs, and then that's where these kind of lean-bodied pass rushes you got up front, you can get them into some predictable downs and distances where now you can kind of unleash the hounds a little bit better than when they're in third and short consistently. Yeah, and no doubt. And the other thing is Minnesota did it last week. They had the lead. So Green Bay had to throw it a little bit more. They only rushed the ball. Green Bay only rushed the ball 18 times. I don't expect them, even if they get down to the Bears today, to only rush it 18 times. I think they're – going to look at themselves and and reevaluate that game plan last week but yeah I mean that if you can play with a lead that's another way you can restrict that running game because they have a powerful running game those two running backs might be the best two in the league the combination together combo, yeah. they are very very good very tough downhill runners that Eberflus talked about it they're gonna have to swarm uh, uh, the decent defense according to Williams talking you have to swarm to the ball you're gonna have to get eight guys of these guys they're, they are tough downhill runners Hey, Bears fans, introducing the new Zing Zang Bloody Mary canned cocktails with premium vodka already in the can. They're always ready, perfect for your game day tailgates. Please Zing Zang responsibly. 
and you might want to loosen up a little with a couple of those before things begin because uh, <laughs> it's going to be tense. And you're absolutely right; they got to get they got to get up early. Well, let's uh, we're going to take a moment. Let's come back and talk about Justin Fields and what we saw from him. And it wasn't necessarily in time on time. It was some great plays and a complete reversal from half to half. Is it sustainable? And is it sustainable against this group? We'll uh, we'll get to that next. It is the pregame show. Bears Packers, the big game tonight. Can't wait to break it down. You're listening to the score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I think he looks more decisive out there, and I think that's a natural progression. Obviously, that's a tough football team. We know uh, in terms of not only Chicago, but the San Francisco 49ers. And, I mean, they battled them and were more physical than San Fran. And to show that resiliency and then at the end of the game, some of the plays that he made off schedule, and I thought there was a lot of good things that he did in the game. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Yes, indeed. The pregame brought to you by Bet Rivers, the official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. And there you heard the flower. That's Matt Lefleur talking about uh, Justin Fields. I mean, listen, he was throwing bouquets maybe because he wants uh, Luke Getze to get uh, some love. Obviously, he uh, said some nice things about Luke Getze. But the fact of the matter is that Justin Fields had a terrible first half in that game. 
the numbers were just awful. Now, there was a monsoon. I've been saying all week, guys, and disagree that I, when I went back and watched the game a couple times, I decided I wasn't going to worry about individual performances because the conditions were so awful. But my takeaways were things like, you know, uh, being able to come back from a deficit, uh, the good coaching you saw, the discipline, the no penalties, the idea that uh, that you could um, that you could you know compete despite those problems. I tried not to get caught up in the kicker missing some field goals and worry more about what it meant in the actual game. But you wonder about sustainability when you talk about an NFL team getting off schedule in order to make a play. That's fair. And uh, I think the way that the way that Justin Fields began to get his game going is is what I think it's it's probably most worthy of wondering about if it's sustainable because it wasn't necessarily within the flow of the offense where I think he's most comfortable. I think he's most comfortable within the standard flow of the play design. He just happens to be this otherworldly athlete that's also exceptional going off script. I think he he wants to run the play as scripted. They were backed up so often in the first half. It was like inside the 15-yard line, their average starting field position. So you factor in the field position, the, the weather conditions, the youth of not only the quarterback but the inexperience of the playmakers around him, and all those things had Luke Getze, I think, calling the game in a fairly conservative manner early on. And then as the second quarter started to wane a little bit, some of the, the extending of plays and the running around is where Fields started to get his game going and started to get the offense moving a little better, and then more of that played out in the second half. I don't necessarily think that formula is sustainable, but some of the trust that gets built up, in my opinion, Patrick, that you, you, you have after you extend some plays, you, you can trust that Dante Pettis is going to be in a scramble drill where I think he should be. And you know what? EQ, Equinemius St. Brown, we're in the red zone, and he's got to run the proper route. He wasn't my primary read, but I come off of that. I look off a defender, and here's EQ in the end zone for another touchdown. I do believe there's trust that gets built up that, that can be sustainable because you've come through in adverse conditions. But overall, the, the sort of more scripted portion of the offense, I don't think the, the way that they went about gaining yards, that's got to get cleaned up. I don't think that's sustainable as much as some of that trust that you end up building as quarterback and playmakers out there once you start to get things rolling in the way that they did. Yeah, and it's um, I went, when I went back and watched the game, you know, Molly and I, you know, we talked about it in the post game. I was not happy with Luke Getze and his offensive calls in the first half, but going back and watching it, I kind of get what he was doing. Like you said, they were backed up. They were kind of taking the ball out of Justin Fields' hands to to turn it over. And they just stuck with the run, stuck with the run, and hoping the defense would play well enough in the first half. And they did, holding him to 10 points. Second half, I thought they looked better. I thought they opened it up a little bit more. They got the ball moving, you know, out of the pocket. And what I enjoyed, too, is how he married that run game in the first half to the second half with the play action. And that's when you started seeing some of these completed balls and you see the ball moving down the field. And this, like you said, Justin Fields is just an athlete. And it's fun to watch football when the Bears play on a Sunday night. You get to sit on your couch and watch all day football. You're watching Lamar Jackson, all these other guys make these athletic plays. And we have one here in Chicago. And it's fun to watch a guy get off script and do that. So hopefully he can continue doing that every Sunday. But I don't think, like you said, that's not sustainable. They have to get their identity. And again, they're still a young offense. This is the first year with a new offensive coordinator. Limited plays in three, you know, three preseason games. Uh, just one offseason. Uh, not the old training camp of two-a-days anymore. So they're really limited on how much they've worked 
So these games, if you can stack them with some wins, you want to see the pro- uh, progress happen. And and last week, like you said it too, Mully and, and Ant, is that it's tough to evaluate those guys in those in that condition. You just can't. Like there's some throws that he had. Uh, Justin Fields, the one that was almost intercepted by Tayshawn Gibson, that looked like it just it was a wet ball drill. It slipped out. Um, so that's you know was that what happened? I don't know. Or is it a bad throw? I don't know. But that's stuff. It's hard to evaluate. But. Today is going to be another good test going against this defense, which has a bunch of first-rounders on it, yeah. and, and we'll see what these guys can do. But I hope that they got a good game plan with Luke Getze, and, and he can you know, go ahead and, and manage this game the right way, and I want to see him make some progress and be on, on schedule and on point and, and be accurate. And I wonder a little bit, I mean, it's, it, from both your perspectives, because I, I almost wonder if what we want to see from the Bears' game plan offensively tonight, it, if it's in line – with what it should be because, you know, when, when you got Aaron Rodgers on the other sideline then and you got a young quarterback, mm, and you're a gifted quarterback, but a young quarterback who, whose playmakers around him are still, you know, perhaps limited. So I wonder if, if the game plan that makes sense is just to take the air out of the ball and see if, like last week, you get a tight contest into the fourth quarter and then from there maybe your discipline and your hustle and all those things end up finding a way where you kind of, you know, muck your way into a win with, with an M. Muck <laughs> your way into a win like they did last week. Or do you say, you know what, man, let's do it. We got this young QB. Let's go out and let Justin Fields throw the ball all over the yard, see if we can put some points on the board, and then our defense can, can pressure Aaron Rodgers and all this other stuff. I don't know that that makes as much sense. It would certainly be fun to look at that, but I don't know that that game plan is the one that, that gives them perhaps the biggest advantage. I don't know if, if, if what, what would be fun to see, what we might even prefer to see, if that's in line with what makes the most sense for the Bears going into this thing. Oh, I want to see a run-heavy game. That's just mm-hmm. what I want to see. It, it, it is a lot. I think is going to depend on the defense if they can contain this Packers offense. If they come out and get a fifteen or a fourteen-point lead, you're, you're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. I think if it's within seven and ten, like you saw against the 49ers, they can continue running it, and hopefully the defense can get the turnovers. But I don't want to see that. You know, taking you know the air raid. I don't want to see that. I want to see them <laughs> stick with the wide zone play action, wide zone play action, draw screen. I want to see that. That's what I want to see with this offense. You want the bear raid offense? I bear raid, there we go. The bear raid <laughs> offense. Just, I want to see what, what we've heard about. You know, the Shanahan offense with the wide zone, what we've seen Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and Luke Getze do up there before, and then have the play action off that, then take your shots when you need them. Well, you know, what's interesting is, as you guys mentioned earlier, the, the flower talked a lot about getting the ball to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and how they've, you know, they didn't have enough touches and they've got to do that. Um, you know, the Bears ended up using Khalil Herbert – as much as David Montgomery. Montgomery had a lot of carries in the first half, but Herbert ended up being the guy that was getting more yards. Out of those four running backs, who's going to be the guy tonight? Who would be, if you if you were playing fantasy football, who would you think is the guy that gets the most carries, does the most damage out of those four? Go ahead, Folks Ant. I've talked to in, in Green Bay, they are they are more worried about David Montgomery than they are about Khalil Herbert. Not, not that they don't respect Khalil Herbert. They think he's a talented runner. But just from an all-purpose perspective, who's the back that can maybe give them the most fits? That at this point is, is, is David Montgomery's the more proven commodity because when he's on the field, you not only worry about what he can do as a runner and as an, an elusive talent. You worry about what he can do as a pass receiver. You know that with him on the field, the Bears still feel confident with him as a pass protector as well. More of the Bears' offense is open and available to them 
with David Montgomery on the field. That being said, Khalil Herbert ran the ball more effectively in week one last week, but he's not the pass protector David Montgomery is. He's not the route runner. He's not the pass receiver. There's not as much of the offense that's available to the Bears that you can be confident in with Herbert out there. With Montgomery, that, that's the guy who, who Green Bay recognizes the all-around skill set and what he's done in making plays up to this point in his career could potentially give them a wider variety of concerns than when Khalil Herbert's out there. Yeah, and if I'm playing fantasy, I'm probably going to put Montgomery because I think he's going to get the most touches. Mm-hmm. When you see Dylan and Jones, I think they're going to go 50-50. Uh, let's just hope they don't, both of them don't go off. But I think if you look at a fantasy numbers, like you said, receiving and the most number of touches potentially – that would be David Montgomery to get the most yards. And I got a question for you guys. I was thinking about this. Montgomery just didn't look as good and as crisp and as, as decisive as he did last year. He only played one preseason game with a limited number of carries. I wonder if he gets going more in this year and then maybe this game, the more carries he gets, he gets the, you know, the legs behind him, the vision back, and he feels more comfortable because he just did not look like the old David Montgomery uh, last week. I agree. And one of the things, one of the spaces that he, he struggled really early in his career, I think through his first couple of seasons, was kind of what, what I like to call running through the smoke, where if you don't immediately see the hole declared, where there's not like a definitive gap there, to still press the hole and stay north and south. And, and maybe even as you're getting to the line of scrimmage, maybe at the last moment, the hole ends up appearing. Or even if it's not big, you can kind of bust through a hole, maybe even create a gap that's not there. He's so accustomed to making people miss, and he's so good at it that he looks for that too often sometimes. He, he was better at that last year at getting north and south more quickly in that first game this season, though, in week one against San Francisco. Maybe the, the sloppy conditions factor into it a little bit. Maybe, you know, as, as much as the, the contract year discussion centered around Roquan Smith, you know, you kind of had the little side discussion right. about, well, maybe David Montgomery's in a bit of a contract year here too. Maybe that's a factor where – just falling forward for three yards isn't what gets you a big contract. Who knows? All those things. And I think specifically what you say there, Patrick, about not playing much in the preseason. I think all of it kind of adds up to what we saw in week one from David Montgomery. And, oh, by the way, the offensive line was being beasted by the San Francisco yes, defensive front There weren't many holes, yes. Well. <laughs> there, all, there really and, weren't. And, and, no. That might be a great example of what we're talking about when you say you can't take individual performances too seriously in the muck. I mean, he, you know, he does a really good job of getting yards after contact, and he didn't do a good job of that in that first game. And I don't know if he couldn't get his footing or if there was, you know, he had the wrong spikes on him. Joking. Uh, But like Robert (laughs) Quinn, for instance, right? Robert Quinn. If you look at his career, he's been every other year. So I was talking to a scout. He was like, hey, Quinn didn't do anything in that first game. And I'm like, you know, the guy runs on his ankles. Maybe he couldn't get the edge with his ankles. That yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. you just don't – it was so hard to come around. You don't know. I mean, we'll be watching for that tonight perhaps. But I think that, that that's an example of a player that you would expect a lot of good things out of that didn't really materialize maybe because conditions as much as anything else. That could be. I mean, that could be, you know, he just wasn't comfortable with cutting and everything. But also in the wide zone, the running back, when you're, you've got to press, press, press while it's going, you know, getting wider. Then you wait for that alley, and then you've got to cut it. You, go, you just hit right. that hole. And like you were talking about, Anthony, there's going to be smoke in that, in that alley, and you've got to run through it. So that is maybe a little different for, for David Montgomery. And the more carries he gets and the more reps he gets in this, in this system, I think he'll get more comfortable with that. Picture days of thunder. All right. You know, for yes, anybody exactly. who hasn't seen that old Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah. movie, you know, you just got to have some trust when you're running through the smoke. Yep. So uh, the Bears this morning moved uh, Dieter Eisenlin, or maybe it was yesterday night I saw that, where they moved him onto the uh, 
onto the active roster. They did the same thing last week, and maybe that's a little bit of a clue as to the fact that uh, that their uh, Lucas Patrick, their captain, is going to be playing guard and not playing center because Iceland is a backup center too, and I would imagine if anything happened to Sam Mustafer they would not want to have to move Cody Whitehair, you know, the old two-for-one, so they bring up a backup center because they don't believe Patrick can can do that job. So maybe that's a little bit of, uh, of, of a hint as to how uh, Patrick is going to be deployed, but we should talk about him a little bit. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into the idea that he's an honorary captain. <laughs> he's been here for about five minutes. Uh, get your take on that. We'll do that next. It is the pregame show here on The Score. I mean, that's pretty huge. Um, anytime you can be a captain and uh, be up there representing the team and, and this great organization, uh, means a lot. It's it's pretty impactful for me. I mean, you know, I know it's going to be a storyline, me going back there and all that, but um, it's pretty cool to be an honorary captain for this game and um, be out there on uh, Lambeau with my guys. Yes, indeed, it is the pregame show, and that is the voice of the aforementioned uh, Lucas Patrick. He is uh, an honorary captain uh, after, uh, you know, playing, splitting time with uh, Tevin Jenkins last week. He's been injured. He still has the uh, the thumb problem. He wore a club uh, last week, and now you think about him being named an honorary captain, so he goes back to Lambeau where he was a um, kind of a role player, a guy that uh, that moved uh, uh, inside. And, uh, you know, they the Bears haven't didn't really go out and get a bunch of big-name players, but they did give this guy a two-year, $8 million deal, $4 million a year. It's, it's you know, it's nice living. Um, but – but isn't it a little weird that that it's almost? I get it. They believe he has this leadership ability. They believe that he is a guy that uh, that can sort of um, what was the term they use that that he can create a culture that he will set the tone. But he's been here now. Their whole team is pretty young. On been here about five minutes, and he's not even a starter yet. Hate to be Sam Mustafer looking over your shoulder. Um, what did you think of him? Split in time with Tevin Jenkins. Clearly, they want to get him thudded up and ready to play so he can be the center when the time comes. But I, I, I thought it was interesting that Fields went out of his way to credit uh, Mustafer for a great job in those conditions last week. I, I, it seems inevitable, though, that uh, that Lucas Patrick's going to be a starter, and they want to honor him going into Lambeau. Yeah, my fellow Duke grad. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I, well, let's start with this, with him being a captain. I think when you get a new staff, everything is kind of new within the locker room. It kind of feels that way. The culture's a little different. Everybody has to kind of reestablish themselves with the new scouts, with the new coaches, with the new personnel in the building. So everything feels kind of new. And, and it says to me that he's come in and he has taken a little, little bit of a leadership role with that uh, with this new organization, if if um, Coach Eberflus is willing to name him captain, I'm okay with it. So it means that's, that something's going right with him in the locker room for him to do that. Because you don't, as a head coach, you wouldn't put somebody out there that the rest of the team would look at you and be like, what are you doing with him out there? Right. So I think he's earned it for the head coach to be able to do that. Um, as far as the playing time, I liked it. I liked what they did. 
because if he is going to be the center, he needs to get reps. He needs to get game reps. He needs to get live action. He didn't have any in the preseason. So this is helpful for him that if that is the move they're going to make to move him to center, I like that. Or is it, I don't know, is it a true competition between him and Tevin Jenkins for the right guard and they're happy with with Sam Mustafa? I think time will let us know once his hand heals. But I was okay with it. I think early in this year when you're building your team and trying to get all these reps for these guys, it's okay. But I think in time, you have to get your five best out there. And I think that's what they're trying to do right now. It gives you options. You mm-hmm. know I mean? And, and depending on how things develop, where, whether the development is, we, we see continued growth from Sam Mustafer, or the development is that for some reason Tevin Jenkins just can't get it done. But I think for, for game one, and Tevin Jenkins, the limited experience that he has playing right guard, frankly, playing professional football in general. He's only in year two, and he was injured yep. most of year one, and he's been hurt a lot of the offseason of year two leading in here. So he's still an inexperienced player against an immensely gifted defensive front that first game out. Mm-hmm. He's going to have talented D-lineman across from him tonight on Sunday Night Football as well. And so with that in mind, you kind of you, you can limit his exposure in that regard, there's a dual purpose to it. You limit Tevin Jenkins' exposure to perhaps, and, and you know, people kind of underestimate how much you can set up throughout a game as a defensive lineman, whether you're using certain pass rush moves in certain downs and distances to set up a big snap that comes later. You know what? I've been getting into that outside shoulder over and over again throughout the first half of the game. You know what? I'm just setting up that counter spin move back inside when we get into half number two. And against this young pup, I know I'm going to be able to make that work because he thinks I'm just racing up through that B gap over and over again. Whatever little mental games there may be within that, you have less of an opportunity to set that up if you're not seeing the same guy for 60 snaps in a game. Now, you know, I think Tevin Jenkins can grow to that point where where that trust is there, trust in him physically, trust in him mentally holding up, trust in just the experience he has playing that position. But when you have a Lucas Patrick, and like you're referencing, Mully, I mean, they've invested in him anyway, and if he's healthy enough to play the game but not necessarily snap the football quite yet, then you at least get an experienced guy who you've invested in, who's a quality interior offensive lineman, and you start to get him lathered up and building towards that point where long-term, the goal will be for him to be your starting center because that was the the goal for him coming in here, but at least you do insulate yourself. You're getting one of your more talented blockers on the field. You're not overexposing Tevin Jenkins early in his career, and that rotation, I believe, plays out right now pretty well for early in the year while you can build towards Lucas Patrick being one of your best five. Does that include Sam Mustafer? Does it include Tevin Jenkins? You know, you can end up seeing, does somebody else go down? And at least now Lucas Patrick has had plenty of work where you know you can feed him and, and you know, kind of work him in wherever you want. It insulates you and gives you options for how you go about it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then Sam Mustafer has an opportunity here, right? He has an opportunity yep. to, to keep his job, to earn his job. You know, I think this offseason they wanted to bring Lucas Patrick in, insert him, say, all right, we got the guy from the Packers, Luke Getzey's guy, he can help install this offense, help that O-line understand protections calls and all that kind of stuff. But Sam has an opportunity here as well. So maybe this is a, this is a good problem to have. If you, have. you talked about it there, Anthony, about injuries. If you have six good offensive linemen, that, that's, that, that's great because somebody's going to get hurt. I'm going to knock on wood. You hope they don't, but somebody's going to get hurt. That's just the way it is. And now you have somebody you can plug in there in the interior and that makes you feel more comfortable going into week five, six, seven, or whatever if somebody gets injured. So um, it's a good problem to have, and I, I actually enjoy talking about stuff like this because mm-hmm. it's a good thing. This is a good thing to have too many players, and you're discussing who should be starting, who should be playing. So I, I like what they're doing. Like I said earlier, I like what they're doing, rotating them in. It'll be interesting to see how much that game plan last week, will, if it'll be similar to this week of, of the number of snaps and when they do roll them in. 
I, I'm always fascinated by line combinations, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I don't know that the Bears know what their line combination is. I, I think that this is – they're learning they, – they're so young. And, I mean, frankly, um, do we know that Braxton Jones is going to hold up as a left mm-hmm. tackle? I mean, he, play, he had a, a rough game against a really good defensive line and gave up a couple of sacks in that game – and, you know, he said in the preseason that he had put some bull rush uh, uh, sacks on tape in the preseason games. He had to be careful about that. And your thought was, don't say that aloud. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we saw that, and we certainly saw it with Bosa in that game as well, right? And so you just worry you just worry about all that sort of thing, and I think they're still finding their way with a lot of different guys. I, I, I agree, and I, what I saw last week too, they didn't give him enough help on the left side. And I also think yeah. Larry Borum played a decent game against a pretty darn good offensive line, so maybe that makes you feel more comfortable as a play caller, saying, all right, Larry, you got the right side on this certain call. If it's third and eight, we trust you more that we don't have to give you help, that we can give Braxton Jones help, we can give a little more chip help or slide the running back there. So maybe they're figuring that out as well, like – how green is he? How rookie is he? You know, how much help does he really need? Right. And uh, I, I, he, he needs it. He definitely needs it. And uh, this week against Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, which they're going to be flipping back and forth, so you really don't know who you're going to get every snap. Um, he's going to need some help. So it'll be interesting to see if they do give him more help than Larry Borum because I think Larry played a pretty, pretty stout game against a really good defensive line. And it was, it was, I was impressed with what that young player did against that defensive line. And after that first quarter, Braxton Jones gives up a couple of first quarter sacks. He got better throughout the game as well. And to your point, Patrick, I mean, it, the, the help that he received mm-hmm. was a little more consistent yes. also. And it's just it's hard for, for the entirety of the game to, like, help one guy every snap, as you know. But even, you know, just listeners and folks on Twitter or whatever, anytime you see somebody get beat one-on-one, you're like, well, why didn't he get help there? Well, they, they helped him, like, a lot earlier. And then <laughs> right. there's just going to be those moments that come up where you got to be able to occasionally hold up one-on-one. And then when you have somebody as versatile as Nick Bosa was, and even like, like Manley was just talking about, where even Green Bay's edge rushers are going to flop sides on occasion. So you can occasionally try to predetermine a matchup, predetermine who you want to send help towards. But a lot of these guys around the league now are getting so effective at being able to rush over either tackle over either guard, out of three-point stances, out of two-point stances. The, the athleticism and the coordination it takes to be able to do those things is becoming, you know, it's certainly not easy, but it's becoming more commonplace with the best in the business who can do those things at a high level. And part of the reason it's important to do it is so the pass protection for the opponent. You can either predetermine where you're going to bring a blitz because you know they're going to slide the protection in a certain direction towards your, your best pass rusher, or you know you can go in and just say, what, whatever the matchup is, we know we can try to find what, what Charles Haley, when he's our coach, our D-line coach in Detroit, he used to call it the mullet. I'm going to find the mullet, and I'm going to put my best pass rusher over here against the mullet, and they're not always going to be able to figure out where that pass rusher is going to be able to be lined up. And some of these guys in the league now, it's becoming more commonplace where the versatility of where they can rush from, how Micah they can Parsons. rush. Micah Parsons. Yes, <laughs> oh, Micah man. Parsons is everywhere, man, at the second level, yes. within three-point stands, yes. two-point, you name it. They move him around, and you have no idea where he is going to wreck shop at. 
there is no Bakhtieri for the Packers, and Alan Lazard is indeed active. Those are the the two little breaking pieces of uh, of news. I didn't expect Bakhtiari to, to uh, play, and I don't expect Jenkins to play for the Packers either. They well, Joni, I could be happy, that... though. Joni, I gets to talk about his fellow Cyclone then. Since Lazard yeah, there you there. go. Yeah, he'll be the one happy. Uh, let's hope the Bears are happy. We've got uh, Wayne Larravee is going to join us next. We're going to bring in the, uh, the former Bears radio play-by-play man who does that same job for the Packers, Wayne uh, a great guy, and uh, and we'll talk to him next and find out what that means for uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And we'll do that uh, as we continue on here in the pregame show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Uh, 